0: What is going on Cover 7 Family? First and foremost, happy Monday. It feels weird that we're actually dropping an NFL episode on Monday because normally we put them on Tuesday, but because of the college football national championship game, we didn't have any Monday night football games. We only had a double-header on Saturday, which in the previous recap episode that I had talking about this week, I said that there were three, you know, you had the um you had the Bengals and Ravens, you had the um, the Chiefs and Raiders and then the final game that we had on Saturday was between the Jacksonville Jaguars and Tennessee Titans but actually there was only two it was it was the, um, it was the Chiefs and Raiders and the Titans and Jags, so I do apologize that's just the way it looked on ESPN when you're looking at the schedule and everything like that and you know when I released that episode it was before they they had, before they had officially announced when that game was going to be played because really kind of towards the middle of this past week we didn't even know if that game was going to get played so there was a lot of confusion on my end so I do apologize but we will be talking about that game when we talk about all of Sunday's games. So guys, before we do dive into, you know, Saturday's doubleheader that we had, one of those games which literally was a, you know, you win, you go to the playoffs, you lose, you're going to be sitting on the couch watching that team in the playoffs. And then Sunday also had a decent amount, you know, of more playoff implication games. So anyways, before we get into that, I just want to tell y'all Thank you from the bottom of my heart for what you what you all continue to do to show support, whether that is liking the podcast, rating it, sharing it, you know, just whatever y'all do, seriously. It means the world to me. And guys, also if you are feeling a little bit generous, Anchor.fm, they have a monthly supporter program, which is ninety nine cents a month, four ninety nine a month, or um nine ninety nine a month, which just It simply allows me to financially better the podcast, and then eventually, you know, once we hit certain certain milestones, I'll be able to release certain exclusive podcasts and everything like that to members. So, guys, thank you so much for all that you do. It's not required, not expected. I simply just appreciate y'all dropping a listen, and, you know, like I always say, I don't want to waste y'all's time. don't want to waste my time either, so let's talk some NFL football, and, you know... Here in week 18, this is the final week of the regular season. So a lot of teams which are already out of the playoffs. You also have a lot of teams that are still waiting to see if they're going to be able to make the playoffs. And then you've got a lot of teams that already know they're going to be they're going to be making the playoffs or they're trying to fight for seeds. So a lot of games this weekend were really based off of you know simply seeding and everything like that. And then for some teams, you know if you win, you're pretty much going to be able to make the playoffs. But um, anyway, we didn't have a Thursday night game. We also didn't have we also didn't have a Monday night football game, so it's literally just strictly weekend football, which is kind of weird saying that for the NFL. But um, you know, our first games that we did have were on Saturday, as we had a doubleheader, not a tripleheader, like I said in the preview, which I do apologize. But the first game that we did have on Saturday, we had an AFC West matchup, which doesn't didn't have a ton of meaning outside of it being for the Chiefs, because if the Chiefs won this game, they were going to be able to get the number one seed due to the fact that the Bengals and um, Bill's game, you know, it did get canceled because of the whole incident that went down on Monday Night Football. So that kind of worked out a little bit in the Chiefs' favor because all they had to do was simply win this game against the Raiders. And then for the Raiders, you're already eliminated out of the playoffs. You have no real reason to show up to this game outside of the fact of, you know, seeing if you're going to want to give Josh Jacobs another contract extension, which I still think he definitely should because of the type of season he had. But also at the same time, it's all you're always very hesitant to give a running back another contract due to the fact that, well, to be frank, running backs are kind of easy to replace unless you got a guy like Christian McCaffrey or whatever. So anyways, to talk about this game in particular, from the get-go, the Kansas City Chiefs were absolutely on fire in the first half. They had 24 total points. The Chiefs also, were I think we're getting a little bit bored because they literally played ring around the rosy. In the red zone, mind you, this when they did this formation, it was literally in the end zone, and I posted it on TikTok, I posted it on Instagram. I kid you not, all the offensive linemen, the receivers, Patrick Mahomes, and I mean, literally everybody was circling around doing Ring Around the Rosie, and then they get into this weird, I mean, this weird, you know, you got five, four guys in the backfield, but Patrick Mahomes, you know they're pretty much set up in the pistol formation. So you had Patrick Mahomes in the backfield. You had Jarek McKinnon. I want to say it was on the left side of whoever's the Wildcat. I think no, Jarek McKinnon was the Wildcat. And then you had two running backs to the side of him. It, it was just a funky, funky formation to begin with. And the best part about it was it they would actually toss the ball, you know, backwards to Patrick Mahomes, you know, to preserve the one forward pass. Patrick Mahomes would throw it to um, I can almost forgot his name, Kadarius Tony. I don't know how I almost did. And he would actually get into the end zone on that play, but unfortunately, the worst part about it is there would be a holding call, so it would get reversed. But the Chiefs would still score regardless on that next play, which would be a Kadarius Tony um, touchdown. And Kadarius Tony in this game looked pretty good, man. I mean, definitely didn't have any crazy yardage, or, like any type of crazy yardage or anything like that. But you can definitely see the talent, and you know, the raw speed and athleticism is definitely there in that young man. But um, anyway, also, too, you know, in this game, Kansas City's pass rush. Now, their defense looked really good in this game. Looked really good. Jarrett Sidham, who had a great week last week against the 49ers, which, as we all know, are the top defense in the NFL, had three passing touchdowns. It pretty much looked flawless in a game that, you know, the um, Raiders, to be fair, should have gotten blown out, but they only barely lost. So. Going into this, this week, they definitely had a little bit of momentum, but it immediately got shut down by Chris Jones and Carlos Dunlap and that entire defense of the Kansas City Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes, I, I really want to talk a little bit about Patrick Mahomes because this guy, you know, I, I was talking about Jalen Hurts being the front frontrunner, and I still think Jalen Hurts technically should win. But when you look at the type of season Patrick Mahomes is having and compare it to when he won his first MVP in his second year in the league back in 2018, I mean this guy should easily probably end up winning the mVP and a lot, a lot of that is due to the fact of how statistically good he 's been because he 's first in the league in QBR first in the league in touchdown passes, first in the league in passing yardage with over five thousand passing yards on this season, and we 're not even done with this season yet, so I think right now I think and also with how this game would go, I definitely would say that Patrick Mahomes has secured himself as the MVP front runner as of now because. A lot of people gave up on this Kansas City Chief team and, you know, losing Tyreek Hill, who was a huge part of their offense. I thought the same thing. I'm like, okay, Patrick Mahomes, he's going to get shut down a little bit. But watching this season and how well he's been able to do with all the weapons, you know, next to him, you've had a lot of guys really emerge and step up. Isaiah Pacheco, Justin Watson, who's been a guy that hasn't really gotten talked a lot about. Heck, even Juju Smith-Schuster, Marquez Valdez-Scanling, MVS, and Kadarius Toney. I mean, the list goes on and on and on about how this Eric Bienemy offense is really – really helped flourish Patrick Mahomes and you know another thing too with Eric Bieniemy stay your rear end put as offensive coordinator don't even try to entertain anything about being a head coach because with Eric Bieniemy the best thing he can do is just continue to you know help run Andy Reid's offense help Patrick Mahomes continue to you know develop into an absolute you know one of the best quarterbacks of all time which the trajectory that he's going is likely what's going to end up happening but Anyways with how this game would go it was completely Chiefs from start to finish as the Chiefs would go on to dominate the Las Vegas Raiders being able to clinch the number one seed in the AFC and get that first round by with a score of 31 to 13 getting the victory over the Raiders and for the Raiders, their season is officially done with now. You know, you finish your first year under Josh McDaniels, 6-11, and a season in which was very disappointing, similar to, you know, your division counterparts in the Denver Broncos, which you went out and got big-time players. Broncos got Russell Wilson, the Raiders got Devontae Adams, and things just didn't work out that well, and, you know, both teams under, I guess you could say, first-year head coaches. I mean, Josh McDaniels already has some experience being the Broncos head coach forever ago, but Technically, with new teams, it was their first season, and we saw what happened with Nathaniel Hackett, and I think Josh McDaniels might be a little bit of a different different case, right? Because when I first heard of this hire, I'm like, the Raiders are going to be horrible, they're not going to you know, make the playoffs, which, I mean, they didn't make the playoffs, but at times, a lot of that didn't really seem to be Josh McDaniels' fault, necessarily, right? I mean, a lot, there's only so much you can do as a coach, especially when you're at the professional level, because these guys are getting paid to play too. It's not like when you're down in the college level or when you're at high school level and it's a lot easier for these guys to listen to you, right? These guys are getting paid to do, you know, what they feel is right and, you know, getting paid to play how they want to play and being paid to, you know, exceed what they're supposed to do and I just think, you know, a lot of that blame shouldn't go necessarily on Josh McDaniels and obviously he's not completely innocent. There has been moments, but definitely, I think the new era of Las Vegas is going to be a big difference, right? Derek Carr... He's probably going to end up getting traded in the offseason. That's why they sat him these these two final games. Devontae Adams has said he's wanted to stay with the Raiders. Now, we'll see how that kind of goes throughout the offseason, which I mean, could always change. But regardless, the Chiefs, they're headed into the playoffs with a first-round bye as they were able to clinch the first seed or the number one seed in the AFC with this victory against the Las Vegas Raiders. And... You know, we had a doubleheader on Saturday, so obviously that means we had one more game, and in our primetime game, one of the biggest impactful games we had of the entire weekend down in the AFC South, we had a you know you know, must-win game scenario between these two AFC South opponents, as we had the Tennessee Titans taking on the Jacksonville Jaguars and you know, for both of these teams, you definitely had polar opposites to start the year, right? For the Tennessee Titans, you started the year 5-3. and three. For the Jacksonville Jaguars, not as great. Looked like it was going to be another season in which you were just going to, you know, slowly rise up the draft boards instead of slowly rising into playoff pictures. And, well, they turned things around later in the season, would get on a pretty decent win streak, and would, pretty, would go into this game, they would finish on a four-game win streak. So... I mean, it was looking pretty good for the Jacksonville Jaguars, you know, at least under Doug Peterson. Now, Trevor Lawrence has been able to develop properly and look like, you know, the number one pick that many Jaguar fans in the Jaguar organization expected, you know, when they did pick him number one, number one overall coming out of the 2021 draft. And this game is going to be the biggest one of his career. So it's going to be interesting to see how would he do in a game of this type of magnitude. And then on the flip side for the Tennessee Titans, you know, how much are you going to be able to rely on Derrick Henry in terms of offensive production? Because yes, Derrick Henry does have a pretty good track record against AFC South teams in which he's killed the Colts, killed the Titans, and has definitely killed the Jaguars in the past. So, you know, would Derrick Henry be able to get things going and would that be able to translate into the second half, which has been something we'd seen him struggle a lot with this year, getting really hot in the first half, putting up over 100 yards rushing, and then only putting up under 10 rushing yards in the second half. So, If the Titans wanted any chance to win this game, it was going to have to heavily rely on the hands of Derrick Henry because, once again, you don't have Ryan Tannehill. Malik Willis is not starting. So now you're down to former Tennessee volunteer quarterback Joshua Dobbs as your starter going into this game. And in all fairness to Joshua, he really didn't play that bad in this game. 20-29, 179 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception. I mean, realistically, really was not that bad, but the biggest thing that you've got to take away from this game is the fact that the Titans, you know, offensive line is absolutely demolished with injuries, right? I mean, one of the more injury riddled offensive lines we have in the entire NFL, and it showed in this game as a Jaguars pass rush, they were able to get to him a ton in this game. Now, only had four sacks on the night, which is not bad by any means, but There were a lot of crucial turnovers that came in this game, one of which would actually be the game-winning strip sack fumble, which Josh Allen would recover. No, not Buffalo's Josh Allen, Jacksonville's Josh Allen, as he would return it for the touchdown to give the Jaguars a 20-16 lead over the Tennessee Titans, and I don't know if y'all, I mean, y'all probably should remember, I don't know why I'm talking like you wouldn't, but... A little bit early on, I was talking about, you know, if the Titans wanted any type of chance in this game, you had to get Derrick Henry going, right? Get him going throughout the entirety of the game. Don't let it be where he just gets 100 yards in the first half and doesn't really do much in the second. Well, for the Tennessee Titans, you pretty much had that happen in this game as Derrick Henry would have 30 carries for 109 yards rushing with zero touchdowns on the day. And statistically, when you look at that, it's not that bad, but... You got to look at some of the other stats. His longest rush of the night was only 14 yards. Now, he did deliver another Josh Norman-esque uh, stiff arm, which he delivered. I think it was to Rashawn Jenkins. So, that was kind of cool. But outside of that, ton of credit to Jaguars defense. were kind of eliminating Derrick Henry out of the offensive plan for the Tennessee Titans. And also, too, Derrick Henry actually lined up in his little quarterback formation that he had. I don't know if y'all remember but a few years back, I think it was in the 2019 playoffs when the Titans were playing the Ravens. You know, he did that little, you know, kind of jump-up pass into the end zone. And well, he tried to do that against the Jags. The Jaguars defense pretty much read it through and through. Now they would get called for defensive pass interference, which I didn't really see much on Andre Cisco, The safety that came down to help. But regardless, the Jaguars defense was absolutely on fire tonight, really living up to their old Saxonville um Saxonville name that they always had when they had Jalen Ramsey, Calais Campbell, Dante Fowler, AJ Bouye. I mean that was that was such a fun time to watch the Jaguars and their defense is very resembling of that and you know really this game didn't have a ton of offense because the Jaguars offense wasn't that much better. And I know Trevor Lawrence in his um post game little interview that he gets he even said too the defense won them this game. Uh, Trevor Lawrence on the day would go 20-32 for 212 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. They missed a few opportunities, but at the end of the day, it really didn't affect them too bad because, well, to be to be frank, their defense picked up a lot of the slack that they left off. But one guy that really did win in this game is Christian Kirk because in his contract, I think, I, I forgot what it was, and it's like if you get over 100 receptions or something like that, and you only needed, I think it was, two catches and 91 yards to be able to get a total of one million dollars in bonus incentives and he was able to reach both of that as he would have six receptions on the day for 99 yards receiving a one touchdown so Christian Kirk absolutely bought out in this game and definitely you could tell he had a little bit more of a chip on his shoulder because to be frank if you had a million dollars sitting on this game and all you had to do was get two receptions and 40 or like 90 something yards you definitely would try the heck out of it but for all the people out there that gave, you know, Christian Kirk a lot of crud, or you know, kind of questioned the signing of Christian Kirk to that contract extension that the jaguar, the contract that the Jaguars gave him, at least you can kind of see now where the potential was because if you watched him at all during his days at Texas A&M, he was an absolute beast. I mean, had Kyler Murray as a quarterback, had Kyle Allen as a quarterback. I think he had Kellen Mon for a little bit too. So he had some pretty good quarterbacks during his time. And when you give him a guy like Trevor Lawrence, you you're you're easily going to be able to get you know, one of the better wide receivers in the league. And that's what exactly what Christian Kirk has been for the Jaguars this season as for the first time in his career, he's had a 1,000-yard receiving season. So I think so far it's safe to say he's lived up to that contract. Now, is he top 10 in the league or anything like that? No, but definitely is a reliable wide receiver one for them right now before Calvin Ridley comes back next season. But regardless, talking about how this game went, Jacksonville, their defense will come up clutch, getting that strip sack fumble for a touchdown touchdown off of Joshua Dobbs as the Jacksonville Jaguars for the first time since 2017 which is weird to say that it has now been 6 years since then man I'm sorry to get I'm starting to get old and I'm only 17 right now so I I mean it's 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 crazy but regardless the Jaguars they go on to beat the Titans on Saturday night football 20 to 16 as the Jaguars they officially clinched the AFC South as they now are the 4th seed in the AFC effectively ending Tennessee season, which, to be frank, not a lot of us expected them to, you know, if they, even if they made the playoffs, we're not going to get out of the first round. But for the Jaguars, you know, you're one of the more hot teams right now in the NFL, and it's going to be interesting to see them in the wild card round, especially, you know, that they're going to be able to host a home game again in the wild card round. So exciting times right now down there in Duval County for the Jacksonville Jaguars as they beat the Tennessee Titans. So now, guys, we're done with Saturday. We're done with our doubleheader. So now let's get down, like I just said, we're going to get to Sunday and talk about our main day of games. And, well, of course, the biggest one we had was Sunday Night Football, Aaron Rodgers and the line, or Aaron Rodgers and the Packers taking on the Lions. But before we get into all of that, we got to talk about our noon games. So the first noon game that I do want to talk about to kick us off, we're going to go down to Atlanta, Georgia. And a game that really was kind of pointless for both sides because they've already, you know, reached their destiny, so to speak. The Buccaneers won the NFC South. They're going to be the guaranteed four seed. The Falcons already out of the playoffs. So this game really doesn't do much unless you're the Falcons and you want to get a better draft pick. And, you know, before the game even started, it's kind of a kind of a known thing, right? Like if you already are guaranteed your seeding, you're going to make the playoffs. You normally are going to rest all of your starters, you know, going into that final regular season game because it doesn't really have any impact on you in the playoffs. And the Tampa Bay Buccaneers actually didn't do that whatsoever. Tom Brady, who probably should have rested, he actually would start. I think it was about the first half of the game. You know, you would start Chris Godwin out there. You had Russell Gage out there, who actually got injured in this game as well. So did their starting center, who was already a backup center as well. So this game definitely hurt the Buccaneers a little bit because they did start their starters. Now, eventually Tom Brady would get replaced by Blaine Gabbert. Then Blaine Gabbert would get replaced by Kyle Trask. But overall, you know, not, not too much to really take away from Tampa Bay in this game outside of the fact of, obviously, they're really just waiting to get into the wild card weekend and finally get into the playoffs because this game had no meaning for them whatsoever. But definitely, you know, losing a guy like Russell Gage, who is your slot guy, and also losing your backup center is a little concerning, however. And then on the flip side for Atlanta, you know, in this game, you really want to see, you know, what do you have going into 2023? And I think it's safe to say that a couple of the offensive pieces they have, you know, rookies and everything like that, definitely have a bright future, and Desmond Ritter is one of those guys. Desmond in this game looked absolutely phenomenal, 19-30 for 224 yards passing with two touchdowns and zero interceptions on the day. And his favorite target just so happened to be his former draft-class teammate, who was actually the Falcons' first-round pick. Drake London, who had six receptions for 120 yards receiving. So Atlanta definitely has the pieces to build around going into the future. You know, Kyle Pitts, who suffered a season-ending injury early on in the season. You got Drake London. You got Desmond Ritter, who may not be your franchise guy, but definitely, I be kind of interesting to see what he'll do with a full year under his belt. And also, too, for the Atlanta Falcons, I think they've also found them a pretty good running back one in Tyler Algier, who has really emerged, especially whenever Cordell Patterson went down with that injury early on in the season. I mean, this guy has been absolutely phenomenal. And to finish up his 2022 campaign, he had a 24-carry, 135-yard rushing performance against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. As his total season stats, he had 900 yards rushing with three touchdowns and averaged four 4.8 yards of carry, so pretty good rookie season for the 5th round pick out of BYU, so definitely has a bright future for the Atlanta Falcons, and I think they just need to continue to build around guys like Drake London, Kyle Pitts, heck, maybe even Desmond Ritter if he does, you know, become that guy because his final, you know, few little starts that he had towards the end of the year were pretty darn solid, so anyway, the Atlanta Falcons would go on to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers in this matchup. That, to be frank, really didn't matter much, 30 to 17. As the Falcons, they finish up their season seven and ten, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, they finish their regular season eight and nine. So below 500, as they're now going to be hosting a wild card game next weekend when wild card weekend does kick off. So, anyways, y'all, let's talk about our next noon game that we did have. And, you know, since we're already talking about the NFC South, I figured, you know, we'll go right back to the NFC South as we had another, you know, kind of pointless matchup as we had the Carolina Panthers taking on the New Orleans Saints. But this game definitely was a matter of, you know, if you lose, you're the true winner because you get a better draft pick and you could definitely tell in this game as there would only be two touchdowns and one field goal scored in this game. So offense definitely came at a premium. For the um, New Orleans Saints, you would start Andy Dalton once again. And Andy Dalton really wasn't even that bad in this game. 15-25 for 171 yards passing with one touchdown. Alvin Kamara, he would also get 107 yards rushing in this game. And then Chris Olave, the first-round pick out of Ohio State who is easily easily given himself a case to win Offensive Rookie of the Year this past season. He would actually eclipse 1,000 total receiving yards on the year as he would have five receptions for 60 yards receiving and one touchdown in this game. Now, he would have a fumble, though, so that kind of was like, okay, you you know, not everything good lasts forever, so he kind of had to ruin that a little bit. But then for, the, then for the Carolina Panthers, their offense really was not that good, I mean, whatsoever. Sam Darnold looked horrendous in this game, 5 of 15 for 43 yards passing with zero touchdowns and two picks in this game. Two picks, right? I mean, when you hear that, you're probably thinking, okay, this was easily, you know, New Orleans Saints, they should have won this game, and they probably should have. And then for Carolina, running the ball, that's kind of been their bread and butter, really. We've noticed that the entire season with guys like Chuba Hubbard and Deontay Foreman. But Deontay Foreman, who was having himself a pretty good game, 68 rushing yards up until this point, when he would actually get ejected alongside Marcus Davenport, a defensive end for the New Orleans Saints, as they literally would start swinging at each other. And you could definitely tell tensions were a little bit high. But regardless, the Carolina Panthers, they would somehow be able to squeak a win against the New Orleans Saints as the Carolina Panthers would kick the game-winning field goal as they would go on to win 10-7 over the New Orleans Saints. And now, y'all, since we got our NFC, uh, NFC South games out of the way, which both were pretty lackluster to say the very least, let's now go up north as we had an NFC North matchup. And no, not the Sunday Night Football one, but we had Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings taking on the Chicago Bears. And for the Chicago Bears, this game actually was going to be very crucial for them if they would lose because if they lost this game and the Texans won, it would open the door for the Chicago Bears to land the number one overall draft pick, which could be really you know, really useful for a team like Chicago that is still rebuilding. And the way this game would go, that's exactly what I think they had in the back of their mind as Kirk Cousins looked pretty good in the short time that he did play 17-20 for 225 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. Nick Mullins would come in and replace him. The run game was very phenomenal. Nothing crazy statistically and yardage-wise, but Alexander Mattinson, the former Boise State Bronco, he would get two rushing touchdowns on the day. And then for Chicago... You know, you decided to sit Justin Fields. I'm pretty sure they did in this game. I don't remember if it was injury-based or just sitting him because there's no reason to play him in this game. So you go with the pick machine himself, Nathan Peter Nathan Peterman, and you're kind of wondering why does that name sound familiar? Well, back when Nathan Peterman was the backup and starting quarterback for the Buffalo Bills, he had that infamous five-interception game against the uh, at the time. No they, no, they actually already made the transition against the Los Angeles Chargers, and It's kind of been a meme ever since then. So Nathan Peterman was starting this game, and he would go 11 of 19 for 114 yards passing with one touchdown and zero picks. So not crazy bad. Now, there would be one really horrifyingly bad pass that should have been intercepted but got called back. I forgot exactly why, but I remember seeing the clip of that. Um, But for Chicago, I mean, there wasn't really a lot to expect out of this game, especially with all the guys that you had out. Chase Claypool only had 29 receiving yards in this game. Cole Komet, 57 receiving yards for a touchdown. But when you have Nathan Peterman starting as your quarterback, you know times are rough and. If you're a Chicago Bears fan, you're just ready to get out of the season, as the Minnesota Vikings would go on to beat the Chicago Bears twenty-nine to thirteen. As the Vikings, they finish up their regular season thirteen and four, and then for the um, Chicago Bears, they finish up their regular season three and fourteen. And we'll talk a little bit about you know how the Texans and Colts game went here in a second, because that would determine you know what position the Bears would actually get in draft position. So, yeah, it. If you're a Bears fan, you were really hoping that the Texans would have kept playing the way that they did. And, well, you'll see here in a little bit. But, anyways, y'all, the next game that I do want to talk about, we're going to to be going um, up north. We're still going to be staying up north. Not up north. We're still going to be staying up north. But we're going to go over to the AFC as an AFC North game between the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. And, funny enough, the Pittsburgh Steelers are still in the playoff hunt. Right, Going into this game, they were still in the playoff hunt. Now, they needed a few things to happen. But you know, if they were able to beat Cleveland and those few things were going to be able to happen, they're going to get into the playoffs. And well, in this game, the Pittsburgh Steelers—they this was this was another one of those very snooze fest light games because it just was nothing crazy that would go down. Um, Kenny Pickett looked. Efficient, I guess you could say, 13 of 29 for 195 yards passing, with one touchdown and zero interceptions. I mean, biggest thing with Kenny Pickett is the fact that he's not turning the ball over as much as he did when he first, you know, actually get it when he first started to get a lot more um, starting action. So that's a huge thing. If you are a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, you've got to be excited to see that. The run game was still very good. Najee Harris, 23 carries for 84 yards rushing and a touchdown. Jalen Warren had 36 of his own. And then George Pickens, this guy, absolute stud. I think he's going to continue to ball out for years and years to come. Three receptions for 72 yards receiving and a touchdown. And then for the good old Cleveland Browns, you know, you're already eliminated from the playoffs. So once again, draft pick position type of game. But, oh, wait, you don't have that pick because you gave it to the Houston Texans to get Deshaun Watson. And how did Deshaun Watson do in this game? 19-29 for 230 yards passing with two passing touchdowns. So, I mean, hey, that's pretty good. But he also had two interceptions on the day. And actually, I mean, he was... Deshaun Watson was running for his life in this game. Got sacked seven times. Yes. Seven times in this game, Deshaun Watson would end up on the ground. Alex Highsmith, who's been a real bright spot on this Pittsburgh Steelers defensive line and edge rush-wise, I guess you could say, as you'd have two 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 and a half sacks in this game. Cameron Hayward would have two of his own. Terrell Edmonds would have one. T.J. Watt would have half a sack. Larry Ogan Joby would have one sack against his former team. I mean, this, this Steelers defense was absolutely tearing up the Browns' um, offense. As the Pittsburgh Steelers were going to beat the Browns twenty-eight to fourteen, as a Pittsburgh Steelers, you know all they had to do was win this game and wait. And well, hey, they would have a chance in the playoffs. And then for the Browns going into twenty twenty-three, I mean, there's I mean there's still a lot of positives that you can get out of Deshaun Watson. You've got to wait and see. You know, let him get another full training camp. You know, actually being able to, you know, I, it's it's one of those situations where you you really can't just judge him off of this this season's performance because. He had to sit out the first 11 games, which we I'm not I'm not really trying to you know get into that whole discussion about him and everything like that. But considering he had not played football like actual actual you know game football, not not talking preseason and everything like that. I'm talking regular season, playoff, whatever. Has not played any type of football like that since back in since back in 2021 so there's something to kind of remember a little bit before making a lot of judgment on deshaun watson and his playing because to be frank i mean yeah he's getting paid 230 million dollars guaranteed so there really shouldn't be a lot of lenience so to speak because if you're getting paid that much money you're expected to play at a level that can bring that franchise a super bowl right and right now he's not doing that but i think the browns they understood you know what was going to happen this year so giving him these last few games was kind of just to get him a lot more reps, and I guess we'll see how good the Browns are in 2023. So, anyways, y'all, the next game that I do want to talk about, we're going to go back down south, but we are going to stay in the AFC as we had, and this game was easily, I mean easily the most snooze fest game that you will ever watch, as we had the New York Jets taking on the Miami Dolphins, who did not have Tua Tagovailoa, they did not have um, Teddy Bridgewater, so they're now down to former Kansas State quarterback, Skyler Thompson, and oh man, was this game just completely offensively lackluster. Now if you liked really good defense, this was a game for you because go, you know, going into the fourth quarter, there was only three field goals that were scored in this game and no touchdowns. So there was only a total of nine points going into the fourth quarter. And funny enough, in the fourth quarter, there would only be two field goals scored and a safety. So we had pretty much Every type of way you could score outside of a touchdown in this game. Um, for the New York Jets, you didn't have Mike White in this game. Zach Wilson, they're not going to play him for the rest of the season. So you're down to former Super Bowl champion quarterback Joe Flacco. And how did Joe Flacco do in this game? 18 of 33, 149 yards passing with zero touchdowns and zero interceptions. And the run game was horrendous for the Jets. Only had 38 total yards on the day and the one bright spot that the Jets had in this entire game and pretty much what's been almost in their entire season so far outside of their defense was their first round pick out of Ohio State in Garrett Wilson as he had nine receptions for 89 yards receiving in this game and also had one of the best plays of the day as he pretty much was going to be surely tackled about midfield area literally just escaped three defenders and then tumbled I think he tumbled out of bounds. I don't remember the exact play but I do remember it was something along those lines. So really outside of that the Jets had nothing going for them in this game and Miami's offense really was not that much better. The only thing that they did really better than the Jets was run the ball. 162 total rushing yards on the day. Jeff Wilson and Raheem Mostert both had about 70 apiece and then Skylar Thompson had 20 where he went 20-31, of 152 yards passing with zero touchdowns, and zero interceptions. And, you know, for the Dolphins, it was, I think, if I remember the playoff, you know, a little playoff picture correctly, because there's like 1,500 different um, situations and circumstances and everything like that for certain teams to get into the playoffs. But I knew for the Dolphins, this was a must-win game, right? You win this game, you're pretty much going to be able to get into the playoffs. And, well, they were able to do exactly that in this game as a Miami Dolphins, which, were were able to win by a just weird score difference of five points in this game as the Dolphins. They were able to actually hold on to their playoff hopes as they would go on to beat the Jets eleven to six and one of the more funkier scores that you will ever see. So, you know, really all the hopes relied on, you know, the Bills being able to beat the Patriots and I think there was one other situation that they had to happen. And, you know, since we're talking about the Bills, let's go let's go over to um let's go over to um West New York. So Now, this game between the Bills and Patriots, this game just started off absolutely fantastic. Obviously, on Monday Night Football, the scary incident with DeMar Hamlin, still probably in the back of the mind with a lot of these guys, but that really did not affect the special teams unit of the Bills. And when I tell you the Bills special team unit was on fire in this game, they were on fire as in the opening kickoff, Naeem Hines, the former Indianapolis Colt, who they acquired at the trade deadline, who really has not had much of an impact on this team so far, he immediately re-emerged himself as he would take it to the house. A 101-yard kick return touchdown to open the game off for the Bills. And you normally would think after you allow a kick return for a touchdown, you're not going to allow another one, right? Especially a team like the New England Patriots, which is you know so well coached under Bill Belichick. They've always really prided themselves on being a really good special teams unit. Well, they just happened to let... Naeem Hines returned another kick return for a touchdown in this game. So the special teams unit was on fire in this game. The offense was on fire in this game. Josh Allen, 19-31, 254 yards passing with three touchdowns and one pick. It took him a little bit to get going in the first half, but in the second half, that Bill's, that Bill's offense was really clicking on all cylinders. Stephon Diggs. Just had another Stephon Diggs type of day. Seven receptions for 104 yards receiving and one touchdown. John Brown, a name that probably a lot of us had not heard for a while now, he had one reception for 42 yards receiving and one touchdown, which that was a great pass by Josh Allen, but an even better catch by John Brown as he would extend it into the end zone. And, I mean, this was really just Buffalo from start to finish. And you could tell definitely with DeMar Hamlin, that was a huge reason and what kind of helped elevate them to win this game. And then for the New England Patriots, I mean, I honestly kind of feel bad for Mac Jones a little bit because I think the situation he's in right now is not that great considering, you know, offensive coordinator and everything like that, not having Josh McDaniels anymore. And in this game, Mac Jones looked pretty good until about the third and fourth quarter where he would actually go on to throw three interceptions in this game as he'd go 26 of 40 for 243 yards passing with three touchdowns and three interceptions, which – it's not really that good and you could definitely tell that's a difference in this game as the Buffalo bills who are I mean they they won't get the number one seed the chiefs they clinched that when they beat the um when they beat the Raiders on Saturday so the bills they're just trying to be able to clinch the second seed which they did with this win over the Patriots as the bills are going to beat the Pats 35 to 23. Now y'all for our next game, and and a little bit earlier when we we're talking about you know the Bears, they, you know if they want to get that number one overall draft pick, they need the Texans to lose, or they need the Texas Texas to win. My bad, and they needed to lose. Well, their wish literally came true because the Texans just simply texted themselves out of the number one overall pick in this game but and you'll never guess by the margin either by half a game because the Texans who played the Colts to I think it was the beginning of the season and they tied in that game that tie would ultimately cost the Texans the number 1 overall pick as in this game between the Texans and Colts a game in which literally I don't think should have even been played and obviously it was going to get played regardless but I'm just saying just because both of these teams are absolutely horrible and it just seemed like the Texans out horrible themselves because, well, Davis Mills, who really didn't even play that bad despite throwing two interceptions, would go 22 of 38, 293 yards receiving – or not receiving uh, – passing with three touchdowns and then those two interceptions. We also saw a familiar face, and Brandon Cooks finally reemerged, which we hadn't really seen him do much this season. Five receptions for 106 yards rece- receiving and a touchdown. Jordan Akins. Four receptions for 70 yards receiving and two touchdowns. And then good old Sam Ellinger. Now, me being a TCU fan, I remember the days of Sam Ellinger. You know, we're back and this and that. You know, us pretty much dominating Texas during his tenure. So, I know what type of quarterback you're going to get out of Sam Ellinger. But I still like the kid. I think he's a pretty good quarterback. But... In this game, definitely did not help his argument whatsoever for him to continue to be a starter in the league. As Sam would go 23-35 of for 209 yards passing with two touchdowns and two interceptions. But Zach Moss, you know, the former Buffalo Bill who was in that trade for Naeem Hines, who had an absolute career day against the New England Patriots, he would actually do pretty good against the Texans. 18 carries for 114 yards uh, rushing and one touchdown. And the way that this game finished was absolutely just hilarious because, well, the Texans were down by seven points at one point. You know, the Colts, they kicked a field goal, and all they had to do was just hold the Texans, just hold the Texans, and it would be the game, right? Or just tie it, right? Seven points, just tie going to overtime and see what happens then. The Texans, they go down the field and they score, and then they go for two. And lo and behold, They go for two, and they literally make it as Davis Mills connects with Jordan Aikens. And then the Colts can't do anything on the drive after that as the Texans literally just finesse themselves out of the number one overall pick in the draft. And honestly, the more I continue to think about it, it's probably not as bad as a lot of people make it sound because the Bears, they already have their franchise guy, Justin Fields. So if the Texans do want to go quarterback, You should be fine because Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud will both still be available at that point. Now, you never know what the Bears are going to do. They might pull off some weird trade or they might trade down and let a team get up there. So something to kind of monitor a little bit when draft day comes around. But regardless, this was probably one of the most Texan things that you will ever see happen as they literally all they had to do was just not win the game. And funny enough, that final drive, Davis Mills will literally throw up a Hail Mary on 4th and twenty and it would bounce right into the hands of Jordan Atkins. So it's one of the things where luck literally just sh- shot the Texans in the foot as they had gone to beat the Colts 32-31, to as this will probably also be the last time that we ever see good old Jeff Saturday coaching in the NFL as his little tenure as the um the uh, interim head coach for the Colts was an absolute dumpster fire. It got all started as they were able to beat the Raiders in Las Vegas, but then they were also gave up the largest, Comeback in regular season history, when which they led the Minnesota Vikings 33 to zero at half and were able to actually lose that game. So, yeah, definitely not a great time. If you know you really supported Jeff Saturday, I re- I initially did, but after seeing how all that went down, I definitely do not think he should be returning to the coaching level at the NFL at least for a little bit until he gets a little bit more stuff under his belt. But anyway, we only had one more uh, noon game that we got to talk about. And we're going to go back up north into the AFC North as we had yet another AFC North matchup as we had the Ravens taking on the Bengals. And for the Ravens, Tyler Huntley would still be a little bit banged up with his shoulder. So now you're back down to former Oregon Duck quarterback Anthony Brown. And you can already bet your sweet dollar bottom or however that quote goes. You did not really have much offense in this game. And that's exactly what would happen. And then add on top of that also, you didn't have your number one running back in jk dobbins either so yeah not really ideal because this offense is literally made to surround lamar jackson and when you haven't had lamar jackson for as long as you have had not had him it's going to hurt you a little bit but you still are you still have made the playoffs same with the Bengals, and well with the bills winning their game against the patriots the Bengals they weren't going to be able to get the number two two seed so just get a win get the three seed and then call it a day but um anyway in this game anthony brown Just just looked abysmal. 19 of 44, 286 yards passing with zero touchdowns and then two interceptions. Kenyon Drake and Isaiah likely were really the only two, you know, bright spots for the Ravens in this game on offense. As Kenyon Drake would have 16 carries for 60 yards rushing and one touchdown. And I think Kenyon Drake definitely deserves another chance with another team because this guy has just been underutilized in a lot of teams he's been with, whether it was with the Raiders, the Cardinals, the Dolphins, just – Find him a team that he can be properly utilized in, and I think it will really pay off well for that team that takes him. And then you got Isaiah Likely, the rookie out of Coastal Carolina. He had 103 receiving yards in this game, which is something you don't normally see because Anthony Brown probably is the best passing quarterback that the Ravens have. And that's no no jab at Lamar Jackson because, you know, when Lamar does need to pass the ball, he's not bad. But in terms of arm talent and everything like that, I think Anthony Brown is a little bit better, but still – Throwing two interceptions is not really that good, especially when you're going up against the Cincinnati Bengals. And for the Bengals, they had a great first half, right? Put up twenty-four points going into halftime. Joe Burrow and Jamar Chase both were on fire. And the second half things started to cool down a little bit. But I mean, when you're when you have a twenty-four to seven lead, there's not really a huge urgency to continue to drive up the score necessarily. Joe Burrow in this game would go 25 of 42, 215 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. Joe Mixon, who may not have had statistically the best game or anything like that, probably had one of the best celebrations you'll ever see. 11 carries for 27 yards receiving and then that one rushing touchdown in which he literally had a coin flip flip celebration, which he got a coin out of his glove and then flipped it up in the air. It, it's it's so funny. Y'all can kind of read the little backstory into why he did it. It's absolutely hilarious. Um, Jamar Chase also had himself a pretty good day. Eight receptions for 86 yards, uh, 80, 86 yards receiving. Sorry guys, I just cannot talk. And one touchdown. And also, too, the Cincinnati Bengals, their defense was able to get two fumble recoveries in this game, which is not that bad either. Also were able to get four sacks on the day as the Bengals continue to be one of the hottest teams in the NFL as they go on to beat the Ravens to close out the regular season 27-16 to as the Bengals. They now finish 11-4 and and are in the third seed in the AFC. And then for the Baltimore Ravens, you finish 10-6, and and you're still going to be in the playoffs despite what feels like a team that... Somehow should not be in the playoffs. So, anyways, y'all. Now we're gonna move over to our late slated games. So not Sunday night football, but our late slated games. In which this Sunday we actually had five games that were in our late slate, which is normally weird because we, we we only ever have three, sometimes four, but five felt a little bit weird having that many games to watch this late in the day. But regardless, the first game that I do want to talk about to kick us off in our late slate. We're going to have an old-fashioned NFC East rivalry game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Washington Commanders. And for the Dallas Cowboys, they still, for some reason, had a chance at getting the number one seed. Now, if I remember proper in the um, NFC, NFC, and I think it's if the Eagles lost, the Vikings, I think, had to lose, if I remember correctly, or something along that lines. No, uh, I don't even, you know, I'm not going to talk like I know because I'm telling you. All these little playoff scenarios are so confusing. But regardless, the Cowboys, they needed to win this game if they wanted to have a chance at potentially even getting the number one overall seed in the NFC. And then for the Washington Commanders, you pretty much threw away your season last week when you decided to let Carson Wentz start again against the Browns. And he would go on to throw three interceptions. And pretty much lose you that game behind what was not a bad defensive performance by your team either. So, really for the Commanders, they just wanted to spoil the Cowboys going into this game. The Cowboys had all their starters going. Dak Prescott, Tony Pollard, Ezekiel Elliott, Micah Parsons, you name it. They all were starting in this game. And, I mean, hey, not a bad idea if you still do have a slim chance at being able to make the um, number one seed in the NFC. And, you know, one last thing for the Commanders. They finally were making a good quarterback change. They were going to the rookie quarterback out of North Carolina, who at one point in his young college career was presumed to be a top 10 pick in the 2022 NFL draft. So a guy that had first round potential but fell all the way to the fifth round. We're talking about Sam Howell. Now Sam Howell would be making his first career start in this game. So still very young, very inexperienced. But the commanders, they wanted to see what they had in Sam Howell. And in his first ever career passing attempt, he would connect with Terry McLaurin on a 16 yard touchdown pass. So, his first ever career pass attempt also led to his first ever career touchdown. So, it was a pretty solid start for Sam Howell and the Washington Commanders. And it would just only continue to get better for the Commanders the rest of the game as Sam Howell in his first ever start would be able to get the upset win over the Cowboys and Sam Howell on the day would go 11 of 19 for 169 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception and he also had 35 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown which... Even back to his days as a Tar Heel up there in North Carolina has always been an underrated part of his game, right? A part of his game that you would not expect from a guy that throws the football as well as Sam Howell does. And you could tell in this game that the Commanders, they really needed a guy like Sam Howell that's able to pinpoint the ball and, you know, just have a strong and accurate arm like he does. Terry McLaurin and Jahan Dotson both had over 70 yards um, receiving. Terry McLaurin had one receiving touchdown, which was the one and only that Sam Howell had in this game. But the biggest thing we've got to talk about is how poor the Dallas Cowboys looked in this game. And the fact of the matter is, is that the Cowboys pretty much had their starters in for the entire game, too. So they didn't, you know, didn't sit anybody at halftime. You know, didn't do anything like that. They had their starters play the entire game and It was just it, it was it was definitely hard to watch if you were a Cowboy fan, myself included. Dak Prescott has just had, I mean, in this game, had one of his worst games in his career. 14 of 37 for 128 yards receiving or passing with one touchdown and then one interception and that one interception was a pick six right to Kendall Fuller too so not really that great and Dak Prescott's turnover issues continue as that is now his 15th interception on the season and also his seventh straight game with an interception so not a great stat for Dak Prescott by any means and I, you know, it's just one game, so I don't want to overreact and blow it up out of proportion. But, I mean, if you play like this against Tampa Bay next weekend in the wild card, wild card round, it's going to be a quick one-and-done for you because, you know, compared to how it was last year when you were in your wild card game, you know, you will not be playing at home. You'll be on the road in Tampa Bay. So, something to kind of watch out for. And then also for Dallas, the run game, which has been so strong for them the entire season – Pretty much got shut down by the Washington Commanders. And, you know, like I said, Washington's defense has been solid throughout the entire season. And their defensive line, which is one of the best parts about their defense, it completely shut them down. Ezekiel Elliott only had 10 rushing yards on the day on eight carries. Tony Pollard only had 19 rushing yards on seven carries. And really, the offense just couldn't get anything going. There was only one touchdown in this game by the Cowboys, and that'd be that pass that Dak would throw to CeeDee Lamb. And CeeDee Lamb was really the only bright spot that the Cowboys had. Five receptions for 52 yards receiving and one touchdown. And just, it was an awful day. I mean, awful day for that Dallas offense. And definitely not the type of momentum you want to have going into next week, considering you're going to be playing Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But regardless... The Washington Commanders to wrap up their 2022 season, they end it with a high note, knowing now that Sam Howell might be legit, you know, if properly developed and, you know, potentially just coached right, this guy could turn into, you know, at least your quarterback for the next few years. So at least Washington was able to end it on a good note as they go on to beat the Cowboys 26 to 6. I mean, man, that hurt me as a Cowboy fan a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Cause I, I I, mean, I expected us to win, but, I mean, if we lost, I wouldn't have been shocked. But to lose by that much to our rivals definitely hurt a little bit more than normal. But now, y'all, we're going to head out west, most specifically in the Bay Area, as we had the Arizona Cardinals taking on the San Francisco 49ers. And if you've already seen the score and watched the game, you know that this was San Francisco from start to finish. But one of the biggest headline going into this game was the fact that it would be J.J. Watt's Final game as an NFL player, his final game as a professional player, which is truly sad to say. The three-time Defensive Player of the Year made it to numerous Pro Bowls, had so many great years with the Texans. You know, then went to Arizona and struggled with injuries for the most part. But I mean, how fitting was it in his final game as a you know professional? He would finish it with two sacks in this game. I mean, that's that that that's just something you can't write. It's kind of similar to the whole Bills thing. I mean, it's literally something that comes straight out of a you know story. Now, outside of, you know, all the happiness for J.J. Watt in his final game and everything like that, there was not a lot to be happy about if you were Arizona in this game because Brock Purdy diced up your defense like it was nothing. 15-20 for 178 yards passing with three touchdowns on the day and zero interceptions. And that's also, too, why he was sacked four times in this game as well. You know, two of those coming from J.J. Watt. Um, rushing-wise, San Francisco, San Francisco really didn't have an issue. Elijah Mitchell, who's finally back, coming off an injury, 55 yards rushing and two touchdowns. Christian McCaffrey, CMC, did his thing, 45 yards rushing. He also had 34 yards receiving and a touchdown. So this game was pretty much San Fran from start to finish. George Kittle had two receiving touchdowns in this game. Um, I mean, Him and Brock Purdy have looked pretty good together, I won't lie. I mean, seeing these past few games that Brock Purdy has started, I mean, it's been a pretty good connection, if you ask me, and I'm so sorry I just said that, but <laughs> but anyway. And then for the Cardinals, you know, you're back with David Blaw after you bench Trace McSorley, and well, David Blaw definitely didn't look any better than Trace McSorley, as David Blaw would go 14 of 18 for 180 yards passing with one touchdown and two interceptions, and Trace McSorley would come in, he would go six of nine for 29 yards passing and one interception, and it was just. It was just a bad day. It it was it was a really bad day for the Arizona Cardinals and I mean, once again San Francisco, one of the hottest teams right now in the NFL alongside teams like the Bengals and Bills and definitely a team from the NFC you are not wanting to play as a 49ers going to finish their regular season with a 38 to 13 win over the Arizona Cardinals. Now we're going to stay out west, but we're going to go up just a little bit more north as we had a big time playoff implication game, right? Between the LA Rams and the Seattle Seahawks and for the Seahawks if you wanted any chance of making the playoffs you had to win this game and also you had to have I think it's yeah Green Bay lose So you had to win this game and then have Green Bay lose and start the game off. Geno Smith, Smith struggled a little bit, to say the very least. Immediately threw an interception right to Jalen Ramsey, who actually had two interceptions in this game. So one of the best games for Jalen Ramsey in you know this entire season. But outside of that, Geno Smith would make Seahawks history in this game as well, becoming the all-time leader in a single-season um, passing yard. So broke Russell Wilson's record. And, and only one season as a starter, too, which is kind of funny to think because he pretty much had the same weapons all around him. But um, anyway, on the flip side for the Rams, we all know their kind of situation. They've banged up, or guys are sitting out, or whatever. Baker Mayfield, 13 to 26 for 147 yards passing, didn't get a touchdown, but did have one interception. Um, Geno Smith, 19 to 31 for 213 yards passing, with one touchdown and then those and then those two interceptions to Jalen Ramsey. But really outside of that, I mean, there was not a lot that would go down in this game. It was mostly a defensive battle to say the very least. I mean, it almost looked like the Rams could have easily won this game. But the game, it would get tied. Uh, Jason Myers would actually miss what would have been the game-winning field goal. So then they go into overtime. And lo and behold, Jason Myers has the opportunity to make up for it as he then goes on to kick the game-winning field goal and pretty much give Seahawks at least a chance as they would await what would happen in the Green Bay and Detroit game as the as Seahawks were going to beat the Rams nineteen to sixteen and also for the Rams too a uh, headline going into this game was that Sean McVay is kind of he's kind of uh leveling to the side of not returning as a Rams head coach and you know pursuing something else or retiring or whatever he's got going on so the Rams might be losing their head coach next year which is definitely something to be a little bit concerned about but at the same time I mean I don't think it's going to be the end of the world, but likely if Sean McVay does leave the Rams, he's probably headed into the broadcast booth, which has kind of been rumored for at least some years now. But anyways, y'all, for our next game that we do have, we're still going to be out West. You know, We had three West Coast games here in our late slate, but the final West Coast one that we did have, it was an in-division rivalry between the Los Angeles Chargers and the Denver Broncos. And Bronco fans, you can rejoice because... I think Nathaniel Hackett was really the problem that y'all had. Because in this game, Russell Wilson looked a lot like Russell Wilson of old. 13-24, 283 yards passing with three touchdowns and one interception. It just, it's so funny how this little coaching change has completely altered, you know, how the Rams have, or not the Rams, how the Broncos have played, right? Once Nathaniel Hackett got fired after that embarrassing Christmas Day loss to the Rams, the Broncos' offense has looked pretty good, you know, putting up 20-plus points in each of their, you know, couple, you know, last games that they've had. Let me look real quick. Um, you know, last week, or not last week, where am I looking at? Okay, you know, last week you lost on the road against the Chiefs, which was not a bad loss, only lost by three, 27-24, and even the week before that, that was the Christmas Day game, so... These two games that you haven't had Nathaniel Hackett, it's been pretty solid. Jerry Judy had himself a career day, five receptions for 154 yards receiving. And Latavius Murray went off as well in this game, 15 carries for 103 yards receiving and one touchdown. Cortland Sutton was able to get himself a receiving touchdown. Tyler Batty would get his first, which that's an absolute amazing last name. He would be able to get a receiving touchdown as well. So would Eric Tomlinson. I mean, the Broncos' offense was clicking, and you know the Chargers' offense wasn't that bad either. Justin Herbert, twenty-five of thirty-seven for two hundred and seventy-three yards passing, with two touchdowns and zero interceptions. Um, him and Keenan Allen were absolutely on fire with each other. I mean, Keenan Allen had himself a one-hundred-yard receiving game, eight receptions for hundred and two and two yard and two uh, two touchdowns on the day. But ultimately, for the Los Angeles Chargers, it'd be the fact that they would lose two fumbles in this game. And the Denver Broncos would have four fumble recoveries in this game. As the Broncos somehow are able to pull out a win against the Los Angeles Chargers, who are already making it to the playoffs. But, I mean, what a wait at least in the season, right? I mean, at least going into 2023, you'll have some type of momentum. Hopefully, you might be able to get Sean Payton. You're scheduled to you are scheduled to meet with him and interview him and everything like that. So, who knows how 2023 is going to go for the Broncos. But, definitely, they're leaving the season a lot better than a lot of people – how should I word this? They're leaving 2023 a lot better than it looked like they would have if they were still under Nathaniel Hackett. That's that's what I meant to say. So, Broncos fans, you at least wrap up the season on a good note with a great 31-28 win over your rivals, the Los Angeles Chargers. Now, y'all, for our final late-slate game that we did have, we're now going to go out east. So We're not on the west coast no more. We're going to go out east up to Philadelphia as we had the New York Giants, who pretty much sat all their starters Daniel Jones is not playing in this game. Saquon Barkley was not playing in this game. Um, let me look real quick. Also, they, I think they, they said a few a few other their defensive guys like Leonard Williams and all of them. So they were pretty much down to second string and practice squad guys, right? Davis Webb actually started for them in this game, the former Texas Tech and Cal quarterback. And um, funny enough, this game was pretty close through about three quarters. Now, Philadelphia, they led 16-0 to at half, but... In the second half, things started to take a turn a little bit as in the fourth quarter, the Giants, they would put up 13 points on the Eagles. Davis Webb on the day would go 23 of 40, 168 yards passing with one touchdown and zero interceptions. Uh, But really out of that, not a lot would go you know, go down for the Giants offensively. Their defense didn't play that bad either. Got three sacks on the day, five tackle for losses. And then for the Philadelphia Eagles, this was the first game that Jalen Hurts would actually be back from his shoulder injury that he suffered a few weeks ago against the Bears. And Jalen Hurts would go 20-35, 229 yards passing with zero touchdowns and one interception. So not the greatest game out of Jalen Hurts, but he did make a couple good throws to guys like A.J. Brown. That he had a really good one to AJ Brown, as AJ would have 95 receiving yards on the day. But the run game was the biggest part for the Eagles in this game. You know, trying to get get the ball and get the um, defenders away from Jalen Hurts because you don't want him to re-aggravate that injury right before you're about to, you know, go into the playoffs. Now the Eagles, with the win that they got um, in this game against the Giants, it gave them the first-round bye as they clinched the number one seed in the NFC. So for Cowboy fans. I mean, you already knew you weren't going to get it because you lost to the Commanders, but now you know 100% you're not going to get it because the Eagles would go on to beat the New York Giants. As the Eagles, with this win over the Giants, once again, they clinched the number one seed in the NFC with a 22-16 victory over their NFC East rivals. So, I mean, hey, it may not have been the prettiest win, but a win is a win. As the Eagles, once again, they clinched the um, number one seed in the NFC. And now that leads us to Sunday Night Football, our final game that we had of Week 18, our final game in the regular season, a game that, well, to be really frank, was more of the Lions could potentially upset the Green Bay Packers' miraculous comeback story and then allow Virginia Smith and the Seahawks to sneak their way into the wild card round instead of the Packers. And just exactly that. It, that would happen as the Detroit Lions would go on the road in the frozen tundra and would go on to beat Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. Now, I, I said Green Bay would win this game, and I think a lot of us, we could have agreed you know, before this game that, yeah, Green Bay easily should have won. A lot of momentum they're riding into this game. It's at home. Normally, the history of Detroit playing at Green Bay is not that great. And just all signs were pointing to Green Bay should win this game. Now, Aaron Rodgers didn't really do bad until their final offensive drive in which he threw the game-losing interception to Kirby Joseph, the rookie of safety for the Detroit Lions, as Aaron Rodgers on the day would go 17 of 27 for 205 yards passing with one touchdown and one interception. Um, And then for Green Bay, also another bright star that they did have in this game was Christian Watson, a guy that, like, like, like a lot of people thought, myself included, was a bust. I mean, after the first couple weeks of the season, we're looking at, this guy really, you know, worthy of a second-round pick. But the way that he finished the second half of the season, he truly looks like he could potentially be the wide receiver one or wide receiver two of the future for the Packers. You know, once the, the once this era of Green Bay Packer football is gone, and well, and then on the other side of the football, the Detroit Lions. I mean, man, they may not have all the talent in the world. They may not have the big names, but they are gritty. They are aggressive, and I mean, they just refuse to go down without fighting. And they did exactly that. Jamal Williams made Lions history as he broke Barry Sanders' single season touchdown record with, with his um I think it was let me look real quick. He scored two in the game against Green Bay, but I'm trying to remember to make sure I get the exact amount. He would get 17 in or he'd have 17 on the season after this game, which broke Barry Sanders by one. So what a, what an absolute amazing season for Jamal Williams. And it just so happens that in his final regular season game here of the year. He happens to beat his former team in their house. So, got to be a little bit sweet for Jamal Williams. Jared Goff, who struggled at moments in this game, where there was low passes, behind passes, or whatever, came up clutch when it mattered the most. 23 of 34 for 220, 224 yards passing. Didn't get a touchdown or pick. And, I mean, man, just not enough can be said about what the Detroit Lions defense did for them in this game. Aiden Hutchinson, who I still sh- definitely should think should either be the runner-up or the winner of the Defensive Rookie of the Year award just because of what he's been able to do this year. Three interceptions by a defensive end is ridiculous, but by a defensive end rookie is even more ridiculous as he has seven and a half sacks on the season, 31 total, and three interceptions. I mean, that's ridiculous coming from a defensive end, and I mean, what a stellar rookie year it was for Aiden Hutchinson, who was the second overall pick coming out of Michigan. But, I mean, the defense was absolutely solid. Alex Anzalone, who's kind of who's really been able to reemerge his career here with the Detroit Lions being their captain on the defensive side of the football. Kirby Joseph got the game-winning interception for the Lions. So, this overall was a great team win for the Detroit Lions. And not enough can be said about what Dan Campbell and his coaching staff have been able to do because... There were a lot of times where it'd be fourth and two, fourth and one, and you know, analytics might tell you to punt the ball, but they would run it right up the middle or throw it to the flat, get the first down, and I mean that's what you've got to do to be able to beat a team like Green Bay in Lambeau Field in January, and that's exactly what they did as the Detroit Lions would go on to kick the Green Bay Packers and any hopes they had of making the playoffs out of the window as they beat them twenty to sixteen as the Lions they finish their season nine and eight with a winning record. The Packers they finish their season with a losing record eight and nine. And Seattle fans, you can rejoice. You are going to the playoffs. Now We'll talk about wild, the wild card round and everything like that in next week's preview episode that we'll be having coming out, or well, I guess by the time this episode comes out, this week's preview episode of the wild card round. So guys, thank you so much for tuning in. Let me know what games y'all enjoyed the most because there, there were so many just really good games we had here in week 18. And I mean, hey, I don't expect wild, I expect wild card round to be equally as good so guys thank you so much once again for tuning in i hope y'all do you know stick around and if you're wanting to make sure to hit that follow button make sure to like comment share rate whatever options they give you on whatever platform you're listening on whether that be spotify anchor amazon apple just make sure you do that and guys seriously from the bottom of my heart thank you for all that y'all do and i will catch y'all in the next one peace y'all